You're listening to the Citrus Church Podcast. Now, here's the message. We've been looking at this idea of going through the wilderness. And what we're exploring together over the next couple of weeks, we began last week, so if you're just joining us, you're right on schedule, is we're talking about the story of God's people as they left Egypt and went into the wilderness and what that experience was like. And my hope with this series is not just that we would live in the wilderness for a long period of time, because I feel like we're doing that now, but that we would find ways through the wilderness. So what we're doing is we're looking at the story of Exodus and how God's people lived and worshiped and what God said to them and shaped them, who God shaped them to be when they were in this season of wilderness. Now, a couple of of recap things is that the wilderness is a time and a place that is, is a desolate time. It's a hard time. And while it may have been for the Israelites a, an actual time in an actual wilderness, the reminder for us is that throughout history, many of us have experienced wilderness in different shapes and in different forms. It can take the form of a, a physical place that we are in that we don't want to be in. It can also be more of a, of a spiritual wilderness where we feel distant from God. It may be a, an emotional one where we feel separated from others. So I want to recognize that wilderness takes a lot of different forms. Uh, And and of course, those are more abundant in this season right now of the pandemic. So we're looking at this time. And what I want to do first is go ahead and set up some background just to kind of catch us up to where we are in the story today. So if you remember that the Egyptians or the, the Hebrews, God's people were enslaved by the Egyptians and forced to do kind of this work for them. And so God saw what was going on, and God heard their cries, and God sent Moses to be the one who said, let my people go, right, from Pharaoh. Uh, And at one point, Pharaoh decides to finally let the people go. But at the seemingly almost same time in the scripture, just moments later, changes his heart after God's people had already left. And so they, they packed up all their things, and they began to make their way out of Egypt as a group together. And about the time it seems like that they arrive at a immovable force, which is the Red Sea, or perhaps the Sea of Reeds. Uh, Translations could go a couple of different ways. Pharaoh has a change of heart. And my hunch is, is he recognizes that his workforce, the backbone of his economy, is walking out the front door. And so because of that, he loads up 600 chariots and the army of Egypt to chase the Hebrews and they catch up to them at the sea. So if you've ever heard someone say, I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place, they were, they were literally between a rock and a hard place. They were stuck between the sea on one hand and behind them, the 600 chariots of Pharaoh and the army. They can't go forward. They didn't know that people could walk on water. Jesus hasn't been around yet. That's just not a thing people have done. They can't go backwards because that's their captor's those are the ones who oppress them. And so this is where we catch up to them is at this point. And so the people turn to Moses and say, why have you done this to us? Why have you taken us to this place? Why have you trapped us? We're stuck. And as we see, and this, this is not in the passage that we'll look at this week, but in a few passages before, but Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Stand your ground and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never 
see again. The Lord will fight for you. Just keep still. Powerful words spoken to a people in panic as they faced immovable obstacles on both sides of their escape. Just keep still. (laughs) Easier said than done, am I right? So as we explain this, what we find is that at one point through history, people have thought, well, these could be easily explained away. And I remember National Geographic articles from when I was a kid that tried to explain these and and articles abound. You can easily Google this and find all kinds of different explanations to, to explain away what happened next. Perhaps it wasn't quite like we've seen in movies where there's these giant walls of water. Maybe if it was the Sea of Reeds, it was more of a, of a, of a shallow lake. And, you know, the people could walk through that water, but the, the heavy chariots and the horses would get bogged down and get stuck, right? So, God's people make it across and the chariots get stuck. Or perhaps there was a drought that year and so uh, the water levels were lower. Uh, something happened upstream. There's been all kinds of really good explanations of what could have happened. What I don't want to do this morning is to too quickly dismiss this story as impossible because in doing so, we could miss the bigger picture of what God is doing. So if we can, let's not get caught up so much in how they were rescued, but the reality of the fact that they were rescued. Because here's the bottom line. The people on their own were between a rock and a hard place, but God made a way through. I think that's good for us because we find ourselves between rocks and hard places in this season and all the time. And we need to know that God makes a way through where there seems to be no way. That's what we're going to look at this morning. Because I I want to know, is anyone facing insurmountable barriers to hope? Is there a sea in front of you and perhaps an army on your tail? Do you look in front of you and just see an impossible choice and look behind you and just see another? Well, the good news this morning is that there is good news of hope in God's story. So I want to invite us to take a look at the scripture this morning. It comes from Exodus 14, beginning in chapter 21 through verse, uh, sorry, beginning in verse 21 through verse 31. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord pushed back the sea by a strong east wind all night, turning the sea into dry land. The waters were split in two, and the Israelites walked into the sea on dry ground. The waters formed a wall for them on their right hand and on their left, and the Egyptians chased them and went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and cavalry. As morning approached, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian camp from the column of lightning and cloud and threw the Egyptian camp into panic. The Lord jammed the chariot's wheels so that they couldn't turn easy. The Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites because the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water comes back and covers the Egyptians, their chariots and their cavalry. 
So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea returned to its normal depth. The Egyptians were driving towards it, and the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the cavalry. Pharaoh's entire army that had followed them into the sea, none of them remained. The Israelites, however, walked on dry ground through the sea. The waters formed a wall for them on their right hand and on their left. The Lord rescued the Israel from the Egyptians that day. Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore, and Israel saw the amazing power of God, and they believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. So we give thanks to God. So what we find here is that Moses stretches out his hand. And there there is so much here in this, but I'd like for us just to really focus in on this point today. We see here in verse 21 that then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord pushed back the sea by a strong east wind all night, turning the sea into dry land and the waters were split in two. Now pay attention to what's happening here. Moses is the one who stretches out his hand and then the sea parts. And what we see here is a physical embodiment of, of this divine action that God is doing. But I I don't want us to think of Moses' staff as like a magic wand, like abracadabra, part the sea, right? We can get into trouble when we think of ourselves and the things that God gives us as magic wands that control what God does. More often than not, when we think about that, we think about how does God give us health and wealth and prosperity, There's something deeper that's happening here. I want to invite you instead, instead of thinking of that staff in Moses' hand as a magic wand that controls whatever Moses wants, I want you to think of it instead as a sign that points back to God. It wasn't Moses who parted the sea. The scripture is very clear. It was the Lord who did it. But in a sense, when Moses stretches out his arms and and with his staff in hand, it becomes a sign that points the Israelites, the Egyptians, and all other nations who would hear about this to God. It's not about Moses. It's about the Lord. And even the Egyptians get that. They even say, God is fighting with them and against us. And this becomes the story that is told, that that God rescues God's people when God sees them oppressed and enslaved. And so I want to make sure that we understand that there's no question here about who is saving who. They don't get confused and think that Moses is their savior. If you notice at the end of this passage that I read, it says they believed in the Lord. It was the Lord who did these things. And in God's servant, Moses. That's a good order. A recognition that the savior is not Moses that the Savior is not some other human that we might put up, right, on a pedestal, that the Savior is the Lord. And so there's a clear understanding of who does what in this particular story. And we understand this and have throughout history that this is a miracle, that this is a moment of divine intervention when God interacts in human history. 
And oftentimes when I pray, I, I, I pray for miracles for individuals who are, who are sick or going through hard times and ask that God would, would step in in a powerful, tangible way that, that significantly alters the course. And I know this is how many of us pray together. And we know that our prayer isn't a magic wand that makes things happen. But we know that in our prayer that we're pointing ourselves and others towards the one who can heal. And oftentimes when I pray, I, I sense myself praying on behalf of those who are facing these kinds of situations, who are being chased by someone or by something, right? And oftentimes when I pray, I find that the answer to my prayer, it almost feels like at the end of my prayer that God's saying, yes, let's go do that. A lot of times I'm trying to kind of unload things onto God, and it feels like many times in prayer God is trying to bring me along in the process, just like God is trying to bring you along in the process. And that is what we see in the story of Moses. Because the truth is, is can God move mountains and part seas? Yes, I would say both literally and uh, metaphorically. Does God need my help and your help to do anything? No, not at all. God doesn't need my help or your help. He doesn't need my ideas or your ideas. The wisdom of God is far beyond any human intellect. And yet, does God involve humans in the process of God's redeeming work? Pretty much all the time. We see it here. God could have parted the seas. He didn't need Moses. There wasn't any kind of assistance that God needed. It wasn't like God needed the help. It could have been done. But God used Moses as a sign to point to God's self. And I think that's important for us to remember too because God wants to use me and you as signs that point to God. So we're going to talk about what that looks like for us. So not just how we can find a way through the obstacles we're facing, but how we can live our lives as signposts that point to God. And I've often wondered why God would do this. In, in the wisdom of God, why use humans? Because it seems like so often we mess it up when we jump in the picture. I learn best by doing. My hunch is you do too, right? That you learn best when someone comes alongside you. I mean, think about your work or your job. If you're new on the job, someone could sit down in a long training session with you. And, and I feel for those who are starting new jobs and probably doing that training by Zoom. Training sessions are hard. Training by Zoom, that's like next level stuff. And you can read a manual and you can hear someone explain it. But if they can take you with them, and say, okay, here's what we learned, and here's how to do it. Now, now watch me do it. Now, you try, and now you go off on your own, and you try it on your own, and come back if you need help. I mean, that's a good model of mentorship right there. Watch me, you try with me, and then you try on your own, and you teach someone else. And I believe the reason that God brings humans along in the miracles and these divine inter interventions and in general in God's work in the world is because as humans, we learn best by doing. Yes, we can read scripture. Yes, we can learn the history of those who have gone faithfully before us. And we can understand 
what they did. But the truth is, is that until we partner with God, until we, we roll up our sleeves and get our hands in the mix of what God is doing, we're really just on the sidelines. So in the story of Moses, we're being invited into God's story to, to actively take part. We're not, we're not doing God's work, but we're walking alongside God and we're seeing it happen. As we look in the story this morning, we realize that Moses had no idea what was going to happen next. And that's important because we, I believe in our minds, know the story. And so we think that Moses would know what happened. But God said, Moses, stretch out your hands. And he's thinking like, okay, this is weird. And then the Lord parts the sea. When God invites you and me alongside God's self to, to, to pray for someone or to encourage someone, or to take a step of faith in a direction that we may not have planned, right? We may feel trapped in the front, trapped in behind, and the Lord opens up an opportunity this way. We may not know what that looks like, but we take the first faithful step, and we're out there like Moses, like, I got my arms out here. This feels weird. People are looking at me. But I'm trying to do what you've called me to do, Lord. Right? Moses trusted God enough to do what God called him to do. He took a risk of his faith and his life and the life of those who were following with him, the nation of Israel. And I believe that's what this season looks like for many of us, that we are taking risks. And, and I'm not talking about risks that put our life in jeopardy or the life of someone else. That's not the kind of risk I'm saying. I'm not saying we need to, to go out and pretend like uh, the virus doesn't exist, or maybe call it a conspiracy. That's, that's not the risk that we take. Right? The, the risk that we take here is trusting God in the process. The risk I'm talking about are so many of you whose, whose jobs have been furloughed or downsized or left behind, and you are taking steps of faith into the unknown. Whether it's you becoming the homeschooling parent, whether it's you trying to find a new job or another source of income, if you're having to to drive for maybe Uber or someone else like that, and, and you're doing something that was never on your resume before, you're out there like Moses with your arms out in the air saying, God, I'm trusting you, and I don't know which way is coming next, and I feel trapped on the front and the back and on the left and the right, but I believe that you will show me a way through this. Those are risks of faith, and I want to affirm those of you who have stepped out in those kinds of ways. And for all of you who are doing something right now that you have never intended to do, you have perhaps no qualifications for. And remember, just like Moses, that God meets us in these places. So whether you're at home, if you're by yourself or if you're with others, I want to invite you just to name to those who are with you the rock and the hard places that you're facing. What is your sea in the front and your Egyptian army in the back, right? And in what ways is God calling you to stretch out your hands in faith and to trust? Now, am I asking that you should grab a walking stick and go stand on your front porch, right, and kind of declare things to part? I mean, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But I do want to invite you to think about what are the things and the resources that are already in your hands. 
perhaps what are the resources that God has given to you that if you can think of ways to share those with others, can offer them hope, can give them some real and tangible help. I think about so many of you who've given to our COVID emergency fund and how we have sought ways as a church to help those who have had their lives upended, whether it's just buying groceries or helping out in some tangible way. You've said, I've got something in my hand and I can share it with my neighbor. Maybe the thing in your hand is time. And time looks different for you. Maybe you have a lot of it. Maybe you don't have much of it. Maybe the resource in your hand is you have more time. And because of that, you can do things that you couldn't do in other seasons. And you're stretching out your hand in faith and helping others. Maybe the way that God is calling you to stretch out your hand is by stretching out your worldview and moving beyond the the preconceived notions that you have of other people, uh, of other races or other cultures. And instead of beginning with a defensive way of saying, perhaps, how can I learn from your life and your experience? Because it's different than mine and I need to stretch out my worldview. Perhaps, and this is a big one for many who are Christians who have grown up in the faith, how can we stretch out our beliefs and allow God to lead us further down the road? Maybe that means for us the the categories that we've had for a long time of, of who's included in God's kingdom and who is not or who is excluded. How might we stretch out our heart and our life and our resources and our time and our beliefs and our worldview Because when Moses stretched out his arms in that way, Moses and God's people saw God work in a way they had never seen before, and they began to understand something new. And I think we can understand something new also. I think as we, as I begin to kind of wrap up our sermon for today, I want to encourage us and I want to remind us that God's rescue doesn't fix things right away. The Israelites did not pass through the sea and find the promised land on the other side. If you remember, they are still just beginning their 40 years in the desert. And, and, and Lord help us, I'm not looking for 40 years in pandemic, right? But what I'm saying is their journey just began. I want to make sure we know that, that the answer to this prayer may not mean that everything fixes right away. If we stretch out our hands and believe that God is at work and, and we are seeking new ways to understand how God is working in our life, it may not mean that everything is fixed right away. The Reverend Dr. Derek Weber puts it this way, that scripture tells us that there were two giant walls of water on either side. And even as they walk through God's deliverance, that must have been pretty frightening to them to have a giant wall of water on either side. Yay, God is rescuing us. And these are still very unnerving times. I think that we are complex enough creatures to be able to hold those things in tension. The reality that God is with us and rescuing us and the reality that things don't fix right away every time. So I want to recognize this morning those who are making their way across the water on the dry ground, who are trying desperately not to stare at the walls of water that are next to them, who are trying not to think about all that could go wrong, but who are giving it everything they've got to keep their eyes focused on 
the end, on the promised land on the other side, and the hope that lies before them. Because Israel had a lot of struggle ahead of them and a lot of challenges, but they also had a lot of hope in front of them. And they had a God who would walk with them, whether they were in the sea, whether they were being chased, whether they were in the desert, and when they got to the promised land eventually. The journey in the wilderness for us and for the Israelites perhaps is just beginning. We are not yet to the promised land. We are still wandering. But as we've seen, God is in the business of making a way where there seems to these human eyes to be no way. That's the God we serve. And that's the God of Scripture. So I want to invite us this morning in prayer to, to, to stretch out our hands through prayer and to allow God to work in us and to give us perspectives beyond what we've seen and to give us wisdom to live in these uncertain times. Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, citruschurch.org. If you found refreshments in this message, share it with a friend. And hey, God loves you.